Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Legends of the New Republic, your Star Wars Legends book club podcast. Phenomena! Do 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 Phenomena! Do 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 under attack by a Muppet sketch? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we planned this, David. We are taking you down. to leave the room and go? No. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> this was not so, an elaborate plan that came together with perfect timing. And, and kind of flopped because we missed somebody. Am, am yeah, I, what the hell, Jay? Am I? Can you guys hear me? Oh no, Jay's not here anymore. <laughs> we have connection issues. We menomina Jay out of existence. Um, no. Oh no, we can't, hear. we can't hear you. Oh no, that's menomina. Uh, there we go. Oh. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> oh my god, that was funny. That was good. I, I enjoyed that. Were you were you singing along, Jay? I was very loudly. It'll uh, show up in my audacity we... and hopefully my yeah, Zencaster. Exactly. There's why, there's why we need okay. the audacity. And hopefully it'll show up in my Zencaster too. But I was I was I, it probably will. I was very into it. Okay. I, I love the Muppets. <laughs> well, oh, actually, for the listening audience, if anybody wonders why none of us seem to be really on key or knew what the hell is going on, um, yeah, that was why. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm the only one with any musical talent here. Yeah. Yes, I just keep I... thinking of that one Mystery Science Theater episode where Crow says, it's time to face your maker on the Muppet Show tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's valid, though. It, it kind of fits our uh, our book this week, because we're still reading The Mandalorian Armor, which is about Boba Fett and uh, other bounty hunters. And we're about to meet a character who uh, should be a Muppet. Is extremely creepy, but awesome. Well, but I was, should be a Muppet. I, I I would like to add, as our apparent musical expert, um, I'm gonna I want to go on record with this uh, controversial take that's apparently controversial, even though it shouldn't be. Uh, if the Muppets sang it, they sang it better than anyone else. Case closed. <laughs> Accurate. Here, here. I, I can't dispute. Fun fact about the Muppets: um, when small Chris, one might even call him Baby Chris, or Tadpole Muppets, Chris, or Tadpole Chris. Technically, I think <laughs> Tadpole Chris is the most scientifically accurate, and so we'll go with that. Before Chris finished hatching and gained his final form, um, when he watched Muppets Treasure Island, um, Blind Pierre gave him nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> because oh, for some be weird so good, reason though. he thought that blind pierre actually flew off the cliff at the end when he walks out onto the road because a <laughs> random bird flies off in that scene i was like what blind pierre can fly and it 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 got up all in my head <laughs> that is amazing Chris. anything's anything's less scary when you know they can't fly yeah, it's very true. If spiders could fly, I would be done. Oh, uh, spiders can parachute. But that's not regularly... flying. That's falling with style. Falling with style. But they use it to migrate. So they can fall a long way. <laughs> welcome, to today, welcome to today's hey, episode of Rabbit of spiders. <laughs> oh. We have an excellent segue. Um... 
So last week we left off in chapter four at the end um, with a flashback to the events of uh, the past for this novel back in just after A New Hope, where uh, Boba Fett had taken off with a uh, bounty that was being hunted by Bosk and Zuckus, two bounty hunters from the Bounty Hunters Guild, of which Fett is, as he reminds us, not a part of. Because uh, live free, don't has... join. Yeah, exactly. Why bother? He just he answers to one authority, and that's him. Um, so then he heads off, and we begin chapter five with him arriving at his destination, the lair of the Assembler, uh, a creature. It's a spider-like alien entity. Uh, its actual name is Kudar Mubat. That's hard to say. Uh, <laughs> It has a spider-like alien entity that has many semi-autonomous nodes that are produced outside of his own nervous system and from his own nervous system, which are called sub-assemblies. So basically, imagine, if you will, a giant web in space, like a space station with a giant web in it. And inside of this web is a spider, and the spider occasionally grows smaller spiders that remain tethered to it by kind of brain webbing which are then semi-autonomous beings that do their own thing and have their own identities and lives, and yet are still part of Kudarmabat. It's weird, but I love it because it's a really interesting concept instead of just another stereotypical trope you could have put in here. They, they decided to go for something just truly weird and interesting and unique to this story. Uh, and he's also an information broker and a crime boss in between. Or not really a crime boss, but like a, a crime facilitator. He's like a crime node. Kudarmabot yeah. <laughs> is literally the galaxy's greatest multitasker. And I respect that. Yeah, exactly. I, I would so argue... You need something to do a specific task? Just make a little baby you to go do it. <laughs> I was about to say, I would argue that he's the best um, actually um, unitasker because technically he's only ever doing one task. He has other hymns to do the other tasks for him. The sub-assemblies are, are from his own nervous system and directly connected to it. So all this means is that he's incredibly, he's so incredibly good as, as a creature with um, compartmentalizing different tasks that he can literally split sections of his consciousness off in order to do work. Yeah, exactly. So he's, you know, he doesn't have to have his full attention focused on any one thing because he's created a semi-autonomous being to do it for him. But he is still, in some senses, aware of it. Um, it is, I think, implied, if not outright stated, that the longer an assembly node has been in, um, in active service, like the longer it has existed, the less actively aware Kudarmubat is of like every single one of its thoughts, the more autonomous it becomes. Yeah, yeah. It's um and it's established too that Kudarmabat is um possibly the only one of his species in existence, but he came into existence, he was originally a subassembly of the previous web owner who was his parent, and he became autonomous enough to be able to eat his own parent, and so he did so, and then he gained full autonomy and was able to establish himself as the web owner. As we all wish we could. <laughs> you know you know what he reminds me of, kind of? Yeah. There's this... Well, no, but go ahead. <laughs> Chris can read my... Or not Chris, David can read minds now, everybody! <laughs> Checkmate. Um, he knew what we were planning all along. Anyway... Um, there's this really great YouTube channel that does a lot of, uh, 
content on writing called the tail foundry and mm-hmm. the the host of the show is a fictional character who's this robot who lives in the tail foundry which is like this post-apocalyptic uh kind of place where all humans decided if the world ever ended they needed to like i may be reading too much into it because i forget at this point i'm like i forget what is my theory and what's been confirmed in the canon of this show (laughs) but it is like it's a the tale foundry is like where all literature or fiction ever written by humans is stored and so the main character is a robot who explains to the audience different things about writing like you know each month will typically have a theme like lovecraftian or junji ito or um modern American or, you know, different things like that. And throughout the whole uh, tail foundry, he has these little miniature robots called taillights, I think. Uh, And they go around and actually collect all the stories and the information and then they bring it back to him. So that's what that reminded me of. It's a great... That 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 does actually seem very similar. And it's a great YouTube channel and it's not super big, so I would highly recommend it. Uh, It definitely needs as much support as it can get right now with everything that's been going on. So for sure, uh, I'm I'm not even benefiting from this. They don't know who I am, but shameless plug, I guess still shameless fan plugs are the best kind of shameless fan plug for the tail foundry on YouTube. Check it out. (laughs) Um, Isn't it also (laughs) confirmed? I'm not sure if it was actually in this chapter or not, but isn't it also confirmed that um, balance sheet is actually the, the, the eldest node of um, Kamar Bubat? Uh, yeah, I pretty think much. they mentioned that. So technically there's a world in which Balance Sheet eats him and becomes the new Balance Sheet. <laughs> I support Balance Sheet. Balance think, Sheet deserves the Balance world. Sheet, for those in the audience that haven't yet read this part of the book or who are unfamiliar, is the uh, oldest node, but he's also the accountant. He comes in next chapter. Um, I think Balance and... Sheet should be his own thing and just go out on his own. <laughs> There should be a coming of age. The adventures of balance sheet. Yeah, I I think balance sheet needs his own building Roman just getting out and becoming his own thing. I mean, it makes sense because you'd think balance sheet would have no trouble standing up on his own legs. But um, (laughs) honestly, balance sheet, if you described it to me, sounds like somebody's RPG character. Like, yeah, he's a spider, but he's also an accountant. and His name is balance sheet. I love balance sheet. I support balance sheet and I want fan art of balance sheet. So um, to the listeners who have artistic talents, this is what I am asking for. But only, <laughs> only chibi, only chibi balance sheets. Hey cat. Hey, 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 hey cat. Look in the general cat. Uh... I had you fooled. I, you thought I was sending you fan art. I was just sending you trashy memes. I do not support Jay. <laughs> I do not want fan art of her. Uh, Chris, I think you have the next two bullet points unless they're just left blank. Oh, Lord. They're left blank, and so by There's... default, they are Chris's. 
this this podcast is asking things of me. Give me a moment. <laughs> I didn't actually have the notes pulled up. <laughs> and that was your first critical error. <laughs> what a fool was I. Okay, what chapter are we on? <laughs> I tricked I tricked Cat, but the real idiot was Chris the whole time. I was looking at weird sexy spider women. Forgive <laughs> me for being a heterosexual male. Um let me see here. <laughs> <laughs> for reference for our listeners who have had to hear that um, the meme in question shows a regular spider and then it shows a half spider half human woman character and um, um well actually that is Arachnura Arachnura from Monster Musume the anime and uh, if you were a real anime or spider fan, you'd know that. Um, excuse you, I only read manga. Checkmate. <laughs> <laughs> I actually read the light novels, but that's just me. Um, <laughs> is this? Is this <laughs> are we looking at the last two bullet points of chapter four? No, yeah, we're looking no. at no, Chris. We're looking five. at sexy spider ladies. Keep up. No, <laughs> I was looking at sexy spider women. No one else was. You keep up. All right. Uh, technically, we have not got a balance sheet gender established as of yet, as far as I know. <laughs> what? That's actually an excellent question. Is does Kubar um, actually have any kind of gender as we would understand it? Because essentially, he's I just a cluster of nerve endings, basically. I, I don't think that biologically it makes any difference to Kadarma Bunt, since that's not how they reproduce as a species. Right, species. But I don't. I, I think Mabat says or refers to itself as a he at some point. I don't think balance sheet ever does, but I don't know. But Mabat, I think, also thinks of balance sheet in a masculine sense. But that's a whole weird situation, since balance sheet is part of them, but not also mm. <laughs> the same well, thing. Well, and, right. you know, a Kadar Mabat species is asexual by by mm. the um, right. biological definition. So, mm. really, um, it, the species is, like, actually a cross between, like, a sponge and a spider. <laughs> <laughs> he, is, he is the coral reef of crime. Uh, that just like sounds like an invitation to a real horrible section of the SpongeBob fan art community. Oh no! Please. Oh, no. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, now that we're going to focus up, Spider Bob, Spider Bob. So the slave one, the slave. Today on the podcast, we're killing Jay again. <laughs> Chris, why have you done this to me? Oh my god! It wasn't, it wasn't my Chris, fault. It was David. <laughs> <laughs> That's the second time I've been uh, misattributed as Chris. <laughs> I'm so I'm used to blaming his reputation for stirring I'm the I'm so pot. used to blaming Chris for things. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, my great strength. I am technically everyone's like first go-to to blame on something, which means when someone else does it, I can just like have them slip me a cool twenty under the table and be like, "Thanks for taking the heat on that one." Ugh. Okay, so back to the back to the actual book. Jeez, David, um, did you think this was how the episode was gonna go? <laughs> that being stated, the slave <laughs> one lands in the web and bringing in the accountant Kudar, who is a third party go-between for bounty hunters and the criminal world. Am I are we already doing this point? Am I just bad at this? 
No, we were talking about Kadar, but we have not mentioned that Slave 1 has landed in Perfect. Bringing, the uh, Slave 1 lands and actually what is one of my favorite settings for this entire book. Like, Kudar's web is an actual web that's big enough for ships to, like, dock and land and do things in, which is really cool because it kind of takes the idea of a villain's lair into a very creepy space and a very oddly accountant space considering balance sheet is there. Like, yeah. And it's on like top the of cre- that... He has, like, the web is filled with, like, just random junk, too. <laughs> yeah, just, like, random pieces of spaceships and other stuff that just has possibly incorporated into it. Possibly load-bearing junk. It's it's the same kind of vibe, I feel, that that new game Helltaker has, where it's like, you're literally going to hell, but it's just an office space. Uh, there's, <laughs> there's the... There's the... I mean... Obviously, yeah, hell me. runs on capitalism, but that's a different conversation. <laughs> but like, you know, it's like in both situations, you arrive at this super scary, super creepy place that not a lot of people really want to go to. And then it's just, oh, hi, I'm the secretary. How may I help you? <laughs> has, has everyone has everyone seen um, Rowan Atkins bit about Toby, um, the devil in hell? I'm not no. because his entire his entire bit is basically that like you show up and he's got like a clipboard and he's like all right so I have to organize all of you and there are a lot of you and he's like so we're gonna have adulterers lining up in front of the little guillotine over there we're going to have Buddhists lining up over there and it's like and Christians over here sorry turns out the Mormons were right like oh it's god. it's great it's a lovely little <laughs> bit. oh my god no oh mm. it's a it's a great it's a great bit but yeah that's that's the only reason i brought that up so anyway we're in the the web which is my favorite setting for the novel thus far um it's really cool it's it's a great area and fet views kudar in a honestly i think the correct way like kudar is alien in a way that i think is is unsettling and unnerving um kudar is like fet has a distaste for kudar because kudar i think is in a lot of ways, um, malicious in his willingness to sacrifice others, which I think is the only natural outgrowing from his own existence, because he basically creates minor versions of himself that then he destroys as necessary. So I don't think that he views anyone else outside of himself as being worth time and investment outside of how they then pay back into him and his existence. Yeah, Safat actually hates Kudar more than he hates the Huts too, which is saying a lot because he doesn't or hate. He has more disgust for them. He'll work with Huts and he'll work with Kudar, but it doesn't mean he likes either one of them. Yeah, yeah, no. Well, and he specifically notes like Fett's own thoughts on the matter are literally he dislikes Kudar more than he dislikes the Huts. Which, which is I mean- impressive to me. Well, like, the Huts can technically have, like, like I was saying about the alien thing, is the Huts can kind of like people, or at the very least have, like, connections with people that they enjoy. Kudar seems absolutely, like, opposed to, I think there's actually a line where Kudar talks about how much he likes Fett, because Fett actually reminds him of Kudar. (laughs) <laughs> with the way that he behaves and the way that he kind of isolates himself. Like, Kudar is an individualist on a level that is 
dangerous and wrong. <laughs> because like in Kudar's world, the only person with any value is Kudar, which is why he keeps making more of himself to do tasks. Kudar is a metaphor for capitalism. <gasps> well, well, also speaking of capitalism, Kudar is specifically a capitalist in the sense that his job is to act as a go-between between the bounty hunters and the people that they are hired by. So that Fett doesn't have to keep bringing bounties to everyone across the galaxy. He just takes them to Kadar. Kadar takes the fee off the top of the, the bounty and hands over um, the credits to to Fett and to other bounty hunters that work with Kadar. So <laughs> while he's arranging between Kadar and Balance Sheet to get his money, Fett's sitting there thinking how much he hates the customer service aspect of being a bounty hunter. And how he just really wishes he could just find people, capture them, and bring them in, and not have to worry about the whole, like, ah, oh, yes, here's your guy, that's fine, you know, here, pay me this much, you know, talking to the client's part of the job. <laughs> so, I would like to point out, in the general chat, I sent, like, actual official art of Kadar and of Balance Sheet, and I just wanted to say how kind of disappointed I am because I was imagining like in the in the description, it sounded like a very mechanical creature to me. Like, you know, I imagine like a small creature, but having like collected all these different mechanical pieces and kind of created a body from that over all the uh -oh. years. That's what I was imagining. But no, he's apparently all biological, no mechanics at all, which is kind of boring. Well, that's the beauty of the fact that it's no longer canon anymore, is that you can just pretty much imagine he looks like whatever you want. Uh, because it's not going to affect anything. There is no such thing as true canon. Um, only the Sith deal in absolutes. <laughs> are you sure about that? Are you no. absolutely sure about that? Because if you are, I would welcome you on my side of this argument. <laughs> Because I absolutely have a side. I I am aware of that, Chris, and it is part <laughs> of the reason why we have so many conversations. <laughs> but uh, no, no, I I completely and totally relate to to Bobo Fett that customer service is the worst part of any job, but especially the worst part of a job where the primary part of the job is. Um, you don't have to deal with people being emotional or anything. You can just be like, I don't care about this. <laughs> you pay me to find person. I found person. Here he is. Money. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Truly an ideal job for somebody who hates people. <laughs> <laughs> Until the only interactions you, you have with you people have to interact are putting them in cages them. and taking them places. Well, I mean, just to think about that for a second, though, like, you have no positive interactions with anyone in that job. Like, the people you're hunting hate you, and you hate them, but any of the interactions you have are wildly negative. And then the people that you're taking them to probably don't like you either, because they were really hoping you all would just kill each other and resolve the whole issue. So, I have a quick question about Star Wars lore. Serious question. Yeah. Is there a difference between bounty hunters and mercenaries? Because... Yes. Yeah. Okay, because Fett was basically hired for a mercenary job as a bodyguard. 
Because that's not what they, a bounty... They frequently overlap. Okay. Especially given that Boba Fett isn't part of the Bounty Hunters Guild. But within Star Wars, at least in Legends, um, and it seems also like in canon with The Mandalorian, bounty hunters are specifically um, people who are hired to find a wanted person. And, and with the Bounty Hunters Guild in both universes, the idea is that the guild is contacted by a client who says, I want this person brought in. And then the, the guild will assign a bounty hunter and go get them. The Empire has a hand in it as well. And a mercenary can be hired to just about anything. Um, well, so Fett really specifically does Fett, tend to be pretty. And specifically, Fett wasn't really hired as a bodyguard for Jabba. Jabba's palace was just kind of where he hung out between jobs because that's where people would come to hire him. And because Jabba was a great resource, it was basically like his social networking area. area. Well, and on top of that... Um... All bounty hunters within the Star Wars Legends canon are mercenaries. They're taking on jobs for mm -hmm. money that involve things that you would generally see with, you know, military. Um, not all mercenaries are bounty hunters, though. That's, that's, it's, it's mm -hmm. like grasshoppers and locusts. Star Wars bounty hunters are one of the most Western parts of its um, universe in the sense that bounty hunters adhere to a very Wild West definition of bounty hunters where they're guns for hire, but their particular specialty and usually what they're doing is using their gun for hire status to bring in wanted criminals for money. Typically because that pays better than just accepting a bodyguard position. But well, it's a good question. Also, <laughs> Star Wars has a weird relationship with like law enforcement, which I think is very weird. Uh, well, Star Wars canon, Jedi were basically like the federal the, the the federal law enforcement. They were the people that kind of came in whenever a situation was beyond the mortal ken of whichever group it should have been delegated to. And then when the Jedi go away, there are a lot of crimes that end up falling outside of the ability of most law enforcement to handle, mm -hmm. which is where you end up with like, like Kat was saying, most of the um, bounty hunters in this are kind of almost paramilitary as opposed to actual law enforcement. Like real life bounty hunters exist. They just generally just show up and say, Hey, you, you dodged bail. <laughs> and like, that's about I, right. I have a friend who used to work as a bounty hunter. He was cool. Um <laughs> It's true. He's like ex-military, ended up working as, as a bail bondsman, um, ended up becoming a bounty hunter. Like, it's, it's all chill. We have conversations about it from time to time. <laughs> well, and the other difference between the modern conception of a bounty hunter in America and the way that Star Wars works is that there isn't really United States territory anymore that isn't policed by... United States law enforcement to some degree. Whereas in Star Wars, like the Empire clays claim to basically the entire galaxy, but doesn't well, police to. all of it. Exactly. They police very self-centeredly. It's sort of like if you are on an Imperial world or dealing with Imperial interests, there is law enforcement. If you're not doing either one of those things, they typically don't care. So especially on the Outer Rim, law enforcement really does just fall down to whatever person can can in enact enough force to impose their will on something, which typically comes down to crime bosses and their bounty hunters and mercenaries. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so that's where you end up with a lot of like those mercenaries and bounty hunters. Like Star Wars is like a very paramilitary kind of setup in that <laughs> you have a lot of areas with a lot of people trying to fight over um, who's in control of those areas. Moving on, though, um, David. I do. Checkmate, David. I think we talked about the customer service, though, right? I think we're on Chris's bullet point after that. Oh, what? Yep, yep. Sorry, uh, Chris. Dang it. Never I was about to dunk on David for not paying attention. <laughs> um, but it is at this point that Kudar says that he has another job for Fed, a private job, which reasonably so elicits kind of a weird reaction from him because Fett loves a good job every now and again, but Kudar is not a trusted entity. <laughs> and <laughs> having being elicited into like a, a private job kind of implies a level of trust or at the very least that Fett has to trust Kudar. So he's kind of automatically leery of the whole process. Well, not to mention that this is also the go-between offering Fett a job. So one level of the security of the arrangement, which is that there are multiple people involved that can call each other out if something goes wrong, is being stripped away. So it's just Fett and this guy he doesn't trust now. It's kind of like being called into your boss's office and being told that, you know, they have something to talk with you about, but like you don't know whether or not it's going to be something good or if they're going to try and fire you. I got fired like that once. Uh, yeah, same, only I saw it coming, and I live in a single-party consent state, so I recorded it. <laughs> nice, nice. Because well, there I was, was no expectation of privacy. <laughs> well, I was not, I was fired from a college acting job by my professor with a weird text. But yes, it's, it's sort <laughs> of the same thing, only without all of the weird um, subterfuge. Which is part of the reason, for sure, that Boba Fett doesn't like this sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> because like all of us, he's had bad experiences, okay? Specific exactly. Specifically in college <laughs> acting jobs. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I said last time, Boba Fett is a theater kid. Yep, Boba Fett, the thespian. <laughs> Clearly. Boba Fettspian. That doesn't work. Oh no, please don't say that again. Wow. Well, I would like to point out that he is so committed to his character that he never changes costume. <laughs> Until that's it melts. Valid point. Hey, that's that's just like Viggo Mortensen in Lord of the Rings or um the guy who plays uh Geralt in um the The Witcher on Netflix. I'm sorry. I just saw a thing where someone was like the Witcher is so unfaithful to the games. At no point does Henry Cavill spend seven minutes trying to climb over a small wall. <laughs> Accurate statement. Honestly, if they did that, though, I would, I would really laugh. On the list for season two. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Jason. Um, I'll just call up Henry yes, and let him know. I, I have the next bullet points here. So let's see. Boba refocuses on receiving payment for the first job, but agrees to hear out the second job after being paid. Um, really and got Kudor... his priorities here. What's that? It's like, wait, wait, wait. If you want to hire me for another yeah. job, pay me for the first one first. Right. <laughs> He's like, I'm, I'm going to let you first finish. Arrangement what kind done. of game are we playing here, wise guy? <laughs> it, that's Boba uh, Fett, because he apparently has this, ac this Boston accent now. <laughs> I'm just, it's Kudama Black. I'm just imagining how that would actually go in the movies. That would be <laughs> amazing. 
So, <laughs> so you know, you if we give if we give Jabba like you know the traditional mafia gangster, you know, this is how we're gonna do it, Shane voice. Then we've got to give Boba Fett the Brooklyn accent. It's just it's just natural. Yeah, the like the underling kind of thing. I don't know, boss. Okay. Are you sure we should be going to that Sarlacc pit? See, I think I think Boba Fett should be South African. Like, I think he should have <laughs> have that weird, like, it's close enough to British, but it's really distinct that you're like, I don't know how I feel about you. We you wait, sound cool. like, ten years to let the actor age a little bit more, and then we cast Charlto Copley as Boba Fett. If I knew who that was, I would agree with you 100%. Um, he's the guy who plays the main character in District 9, and he's, like, the villain mercenary in Elysium. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, he, he plays uh, Murdoch in the A-Team. <laughs> Oof, I don't want to think about that. Oh, I love that movie. It's a guilty pleasure movie. It sure. should be. It. You should feel bad. <laughs> but they fly a tank, Chris. They fly a tank. Yeah, you should feel bad. <laughs> but that's that's old news. That's been done in World War Two. So, <laughs> uh, but anyway. so so they do. He he does get paid and such. Yeah, um, and let's see. Kudar reveals that he's the client for the new job, and Bofet's suspicious since Kudar is, is established as a generally neutral party in the underworld. Um, um the the <laughs> job in question too um makes Bobo kind of scratch his head. Um, because as as you'll recall from way at the beginning, um Bobo Fett doesn't like the Bounty Hunters Guild. He has a very low opinion of them. He roasts them on a regular basis, and I respect yeah. that. And the job is join the Bounty Hunters Guild. <laughs> to which Boma Fett responds with, you're correct, that is going to cost you. <laughs> He's like, this is... What are you doing? <laughs> Boba Fett is already established as not a team player, doesn't like people, specifically doesn't like the Bounty Hunters Guild, thinks that they suck. <laughs> and now His general opinion of the Bounty Hunters Guild is, if they were actually good at this, they wouldn't need to team up to do it. <laughs> Accurate statements, though. And on top of that, in the previous chapter, he straight up told... <laughs> Um, a member of the Bounty Hunters Guild, then he was a higher power. <laughs> imagine, imagine if he takes this job just for stay at the guild. You're just like, oh, geez. I mean, who let Boba Fett in here? He totally does take this job, and it is exactly as awkward as you think God. it will be. Just, uh, just imagine, like, your average bounty hunter. Like, you know, they're not super big. And then Boba Fett. What, like you're like oh my god who let boba fett in here doesn't he hate us what's he gonna do to us and they're like oh that's our newest member boba fett eh and you're Yay. like <laughs> i love the implication that the head of the bounty hunters guild who is bosk's father is actually just like some canadian guy <laughs> we're all about boosting that local economy there don't you know we're, we're all about that eh? we're, we are very locally sourced for our bounty hunters <laughs> We need to make sure that all of our employees have good health insurance. <laughs> wait, wait, that's why that's why Boba Fett hates them. He's a he's a washed up Brooklyn thespian. And the Bounty Hunters Guild is Canadian. <laughs> Do you know how different the two cultures are? <laughs> 
So I think that's probably as far as we'll get because that's the end of chapter five. And I can't breathe that's a lot anymore. That happens in chapter six. So we're gonna we're gonna call it here at the end of chapter five. With Bet uh, basically saying that it's gonna cost him a lot of money to do uh, what he's asked, and uh, we'll come back next week to find out exactly the details of what Bet will be up to in chapter six. Um, Thank you all for listening to our extended rabbit hole. Uh, I'm David. You can find me on Twitter at AKAHShades, on YouTube uh, at youtube.com slash C slash the Agent Shades, and apparently in everyone else's mind reading their thoughts. Checkmate. And I'm, and I'm Chris. If you don't get this by now, then you never will. That's about it. <laughs> and, and I'm Jason, and I'm genuinely concerned about Jay's mental well-being right now because I think she's laughing herself to death. I am! Somebody please help me! I can't and I'm Kat. We have fun doing this. <laughs> and I'm Kat, and I think that laughter is the best medicine, except for when it's not. You can find me on Twitter at SeagullSoup and I will accept fan art of a small spider named Balance Sheet. <laughs> I'm Jay Shark Ray 24 <laughs> You can find me <laughs> Somebody help me please uh, You can, you can find, find me pretty much, pretty much anywhere Under that username You should go check out my YouTube channel I do Games Currently doing a Let's Play of Persona 5 I also have a series about LGBT issues going on now. Uh, if it's still Pride Month with, when this episode comes out, which I doubt, uh, but you still should still go watch it. I also have some gaming reviews that are going to be coming out soon. So go check out <coughs> my channel. <laughs> <laughs> I almost Jay got through. After this episode, it shall become a memorial channel, and we will... <laughs> Um, make sure to curate it carefully. <laughs> Welcome to Legends of the New Republic. We killed Jay and you're next. Oh, oh, I had my thing too. Jay is dead. We're looking yeah. for a new person to fill in the chat. Hey, Chris, isn't your sister supposed to be joining the podcast? Oh, right. <laughs> My bad. I totally forgot about that. <coughs> so and- I just thought of something, too. Um, we we may have a crossover of, of, uh, of universes because Jay's reaction is kind of reminding me of, like, the original Batman. Not the original. Uh, the Michael Keaton Batman. <laughs> where... where where he's got the the drug or chemical, whatever it is, it just causes people to laugh themselves to death. So, um, Jason, my son, Jay's son, my son. Don't forget your your plug. Yeah. Before you so, get distracted. So, so I've been a slacker for the last few days and have uh, last few weeks and have barely been able to read anything because I've gotten on a huge kick front on audiobooks. Um, and I thought today, I guess I'm not really so much of a slacker because I went through. Uh, eleven audiobooks in the course of three weeks. Ooh, <laughs> so that is impressive. Yeah, so I've been kind of going nonstop on these things. But so the guy, uh, the author's name is Nathan Lowell. 
uh, and he has a book, a series of books that he's written called uh, Golden Age of the Solar Clicker. Uh, and it is essentially, um, if you took uh, Star Wars, took all the combat out of it, and made it strictly trading. Which sounds boring on the face of it, but is kind of like just this interesting take on what life would be like in the future, you know, without everybody shooting each other and, you know, crazy galactic explaining conflicts and stuff like that. Uh, it's essentially just, you know, they, they sail between the stars, making trade and, you know, living just a fairly interesting yet safe life. You know, and it's it's really cool. I can't. I, I'm probably not doing much justice by describing it that way. Um, but it, it's just such an interesting read. He he really builds the story very well. So, um, that's that's pretty much what I was gonna say. If, if anybody wants to look it up, it's definitely or it's. I think it's definitely worth a read, at least the first one. Um, but it's uh yeah, Golden Age of the Solar Clipper, the first in the series is called uh, Quarter Share. Uh, and it essentially takes the life of one guy from his, you know, first days joining the ship, a merchant ship, and, you know, his each book is like the next stage in his career, going through the, the stage, you know, the steps of, of uh, career advancement. So, um, but I, I definitely highly recommend it. He's he's also one of the few authors that I actually like know, you know, by name and can actually you know can actually keep track of in real life, you know. Not even any other Star Wars authors I'd really, you know, take much uh, interest in trying to keep an eye on them, you know. Not like in their other aspects of their career and you know where where the books they're writing or how they're doing, you know, whatever mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. So. I don't know. And as we it's, know just, it's, my, it's my little plug. What's up? And as we we know, the most important part of any uh, fan for for an author is to be able to track them down and uh, mm -hmm. find them. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's I not in that kind of a way, but I, I get what you're saying. <laughs> what type of way? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a crazy stalker. Yeah. Actually, actually, uh, he does have his own um, podcast where he does uh, morning walks. Um, whenever and whenever he does it, he records it. Uh, you know, and just kind of. That's a just, nice it's, cornfield. It's a well. It's a way to kind of uh, discuss things going on in his head. You know, between books, the books he's writing. You know, and and uh, aspects of of the. Uh, author industry, you know, uh, different things. He's he's had a very interesting uh, history, you know, and career of his own. Like he was, I think he was in the Coast Guard, and then he went into teaching, or you know, went into IT, and then went into teaching. So he's got all these different like backgrounds that he pulls his his life experience from, and a lot of it kind of shows in the books he writes too. So it's cool. I like it. And I, and I think he's he's just kind of a cool dude, so...